Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Better Living. We are continuing our conversation about Six Stones, their website, sixstones.org. We have uh, just off mic decided to extend this interview because we, we've got a lot to talk about. And we still have a lot to learn about Six Stones. My guest is Scott Shepard. He is their president and CEO we just got done talking a lot about your community-powered revitalization product pro, project. I was I knew saying revitalization was going to mess me up at some point it's in the interview, work. so here we are. Um, but obviously not the only thing that you guys are doing. You have a couple of other major programs that, that you guys work with, but I guess it all kind of started with CPR. Is that correct? Yeah, that was that was kind of the first thing. Now, this is a big, this is a big undertaking. Oh, and, yeah. and it's still quite successful. How many homes did you say that you were up to? We'll hit 600 this, this spring. In 600. Okay. And all right. So you've got this huge project going and it's very successful. It's working very well for you, but you decide to expand into something else. So what was it exactly that you just decided to jump into next? Which program was basically number two on the menu for Six Stones? Sure. Absolutely. Well, and it really wasn't our decision as much as uh, we got a letter from our school district. Once you start to see kind of that traction there, you break that barrier down at City Hall. As a matter of fact, it may even become first, but where we are with our schools in, in the state of Texas, I mean, we've got great schools, but um, that was the next phone call was from a school district. Hey, we've got kiddos. Um, even in our part of the world, we're right there one mile west of DFW Airport. And so, matter of fact, I grew up there, graduated from high school there, had no idea. I knew what a free and reduced lunch was. Had no idea we had any of those. Uh, and at that point in time, this is, two, this is 2009, uh, we were at 47% of our kids on free and reduced lunch. And so that you probably, for a lot of your listeners, are going, well, yeah, it's out in the mid-cities and whatever. Well, I mean, let's go down the list because, I mean, if you went and did the research for, for Plano, uh, Mesquite, um, matter of fact, Keller, Arlington's probably 70% free and reduced lunch. And so th there's, and there's a whole mechanism there, Nick, that kind of impacts that. Texas has been so stinking successful over the last 10 years. And we've built so many jobs that we've had so many people come into Dallas-Fort Worth. That's part of our success. We love to tout that. But I think you and I talked about this in, your, in the first segment is a school district is the only entity that cannot turn away a family coming to the land of promise. And so, man, it's what's, what is uh, pounding our school district. So they're looking for resources. They're looking for ways. So they called us and said, hey, we noticed you have kind of a food pantry. And we've got hungry kids. And so we talked. Matter of fact, they began to share with us those stats. Yeah. That's where our free and reduced lunch are. We were astounded how high they were. It's, I think it is maybe the most shocking thing that I have come across oh. doing this show because you'll end up, like you're saying, Texas is doing great. You right. know, especially the area, if you, you know, you can, when you drove in, I bet you saw a lot of uh, skyscrapers going up and you, oh, you see yeah. those cranes, you see the progress and you think that there's just money all around and there is, right. but you start hearing about food situations yeah. and also specifically in schools, the numbers are staggering. They are staggering. And, you know, the, I mean, the core of that is if a kid's hungry, he's not going to learn. 
So, Absolutely. So school districts are dying for, and that's usually the easy on-ramp to put a food pantry in. But at the same time, uh, many schools are, are dying for the resources to get to these kids. And that's really where it started for us. They said, hey, you're feeding our kids. We have a dream. And so we asked them, so what, what's the dream? And they said, well, I mean, Fort Worth has a huge back-to-school event. Dallas has the big mayor's event, which 50,000 kids show up. But 50,000 is not a dent in Dallas County. And what Fort Worth is even, I mean, it's great work. I'm not, but the need is so huge. Skyscrapers are going up. A lot of people coming in. It's it's taxing the system. So they came back and said, if our kids in Northeast Tarrant County could get to the big event in downtown Fort Worth. And I said, so like, you mean gas money? You need, they said, no, if they had a car. And so I'm not a wealthy man, but I've got teenagers at that point in my life. And I've got six cars sitting in my house. And I'm like, if they had a car? They said, yes, if they had a car to get down there to even get the school supplies, it'd be a miracle. But more than likely, they'll be gone by by the time they get there. And then the other thing of it is, is what we'd really love to do is create an event where we could get the supplies to them. But would you create an event where we could bring in the resources and social services? Most of the social services, the key programming, is really always going to be in your major metropolitan area, downtown Fort Worth, downtown Dallas, uh, which is great. It's a huge need. But when you start talking about the burbs, Carrollton or Grapevine or Burleson. I mean, those don't get, they're on the fringe. I don't think that people even associate those areas with these problems. It actually surprised me how high those numbers were for that area because you think the suburbs, it's all right. Those main problems, those huge poverty-stricken areas, those are the big cities. That's the big areas, not the burbs. Yeah. I cannot probably substantiate this. I've heard this multiple times. Some will say it's pretty darn close, but uh, we're told that the zip code south of Airport Freeway in Irving is now the most diverse zip code in the entire United States. Brooklyn has now fallen to number two. Really? That's because of the airport. We have jobs in an airport. Fair enough. And so that, when you go back to Burbs, they get off a plane, they go someplace where they can find housing. They're not going to go into downtown. I mean, there's this revitalization going into downtowns, right? Right. You've got the big cranes, the new condos. Right. They can't afford to live there. No. And so that's what you're finding in these local communities that are dying. So we built, back to your original question a long time ago, was we built an event for them that would would be able to get the supplies and tools. We built them alongside with the school district, not just come get a pencil, but we built kits based on their specifications with the counselors and the the, uh, administration. And then we went out and got the social service agencies to come do a satellite event with us. So first event, we had 30-something agencies there. That could bring medical, that could bring whatever it was. And so we, we begin to expand those resources from the downtown. Actually there. providing services yeah. at the event? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I thought this was just going to be intro. Like, this is available in your community. You're actually providing it at this first event. Yeah. And, it's, and we're not, but we're bringing the people that can. It's back to that collaboration. you got to work together. Okay, so you once again started up a successful program simply by listening to what was needed and not actually offering absolutely anything. All day long. So there you are with the city. So you, the I believe this is called Operation Back to School, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, it All right, is. so Operation Back to School. It's out of HEBISD, right. or is it is that yes. also blown out? Is it still just an HEB? Uh, we run HEB. We've uh, we've helped with some other cities and, and help them build that program because we've got the resource to the, the kits and the supplies, and then we've got the playbook and how you would do it. The other thing is, and this is the hardest thing, Nick, for us to communicate, because everybody listening to this is go, oh, we already do a back-to-school event. I bet you don't do one the way we do. 
that we sit down in February and start working alongside the school district to build out what is the kit going to look like? How will you actually get the applications to the right students in the school that really need the help? And then how do we get the applications back? There's a whole mechanism involved in that. And then how do we get it funded? And how do we work with that administration? So it's a working relationship, not just a nice thing we do for the district. I read about this on the website, which once again is sixstones.org. I was honestly thinking that it was, here's a backpack, here's an eraser, on you go. I, I had no idea it was this involved and this in-depth. Yeah. Talk to me about what are actually in these packages, because there's a lot of thought that is going into what you're giving to these kids. So oh, yeah. what what is in there? Well, you said it a while ago. We asked, what do you want to give to these kiddos? The school district sits down and says, well, this is what we need for our pre-K to two and our, our third through fourth. And then the other thing we came back to after about three or four years, they came back and said, you know what? No one helps a uh, secondary student. Will you build that for us? So, so we went out, we had these, we get these kits built every year and do it at a very reasonable, reasonable, reasonable cost. Matter of fact, probably a third of what you would if we sent you down to Walmart to buy it for your kids. Mm. And so it's, it's cost effective, but it's the tools that the district says, this is what will help a kid be successful. And so that's how we built those out. And so we've got mechanisms to do that, and that meets their need. But then we asked the district, well, we need to be able to program. We need to figure out what the supply needs to be based upon, you know, the number of free and reduced kids. So we came up with a whole system where we work with the counselors. Uh, can't get direct information from a school district, but they can help us with student ID numbers to be able to do some, some processes. It's kind of elaborate. But, again, how do I get? the right supplies to the right kid in my school district to make them successful. Because what we didn't want to do was to do, uh, as you just mentioned a while ago, here's a backpack, here's an eraser. What? You live in Weatherford, Mesquite, Sherman? You're a cousin of who? I mean, not that I wouldn't want to help a kid, but I've got to take care of my village too. And so when that district knows I'm that focused on their kids and their needs, boy, that relationship blossoms quick. Okay, so that's how this is moving out so fast right. and how you're, again, kind of putting six stones in a box and shipping it out. There you go. All right, so these other school districts are responding to this, and they're seeing that it's got a real powerful effect. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. These partner organizations that are showing up to, to this event, was there any coaxing that was involved with this, or was everybody ready to jump on board, and once they had done it, kind of surprised that this hadn't already been happening? You know, um, grace of God, we were blessed because uh, when we started this the first year, we were a nobody brand new to the to the whole sector, and uh, our county hospital showed up. I mean, they brought out doctors and interns and gave free bicycle helmets to all these kids, and we were like, where did all that come from? But uh, they loved it. Good business to good. They needed Absolutely. to get a county hospital. They're looking for external activities, not just downtown, you know, Parkland's downtown and whatnot. But, I mean, because they – and I don't know the Parkland system as good as I know the JPS system, but there's there are satellite facilities for them all over the county. So they've got to do good in those areas as well. And so that was good business to do good for a county. But that brings success breeds success, right? And so once one comes in, here comes another, and it just begins to blossom and domino from there. But I would tell you that most social service agencies, even those other guys, yeah, they're probably covered up, but they also want to spread the love. They've also got some mandates in whether they're funding, their grants, uh, their federal dollars, whatever, that has to be spread over a county a lot of times. And so they're also looking for opportunities to do that versus just go to the big downtown event. Yeah. And so we offered a solution, I guess, is probably the best way to say that. Was it exciting to see people focus on your area? 
Oh, my gosh, yes, absolutely. Because as uh, you and I talked about earlier, most all social services wind up downtown metro areas. Yeah. Biggest need. Um, matter of fact, you've especially in Tarrant County, you got you got downtown Fort Worth and all that administration. You got Tarrant County; it's all downtown. I mean, everything radiates at the hub, and so if you can bring that out to those burbs, because they got the needs too. Trust me. You said that you were working at a a, a, a good cost benefit analysis. I think I saw on the website thirty dollars per kid, mm-hmm. and you could you do a whole class for six hundred dollars. Right. Now, are a lot of these via donation because those are great numbers for the right. amount of kids that you're helping? How do you make sure that you keep it this cheap but also ultra effective? Well, you you go out, you build those. I mean, it's like any business, right? It's cost of goods. So we've got, been able to go out and work with uh, two or three suppliers. We put it out for bid. We've got one that we kind of go to all the time, but uh, they usually come back the cheapest. But we build that kit as cost-effective as we can because we want to keep the, the cost down, and then we put it out, I mean, to individuals, corporations, whoever, sponsor a child. And you'd be surprised how, I mean, people want to help kids. Your time as CEO, president of Six Stones, is it mostly this relationship developing, or are you still real focused on the internal mechanics of this organization to make yeah. sure that it's running the way that it should? Because you guys are doing so much with so many different people, and that seems to be really where this power comes from. Right. It keeps you effective, all these relationships. So yeah. where are you at as its leader? Yeah, well, we're we're nine years old. Um, matter of fact, uh, gosh, United Way, Salvation Army. I mean, there's monster organizations way bigger than us. I think when you look at kind of who we are, that collaborative initiative between, between the faith, social and those organizations do too. But the way we're structured, the way we perform, the way we work in local municipalities, uh, yeah, I've had some organizations say you may be the largest of your type in America, which is a blessing. I don't say that to brag. It's just there just seems to be something coming. And so more folks are leaning in. Most faith-based nonprofits are typically pretty small usually. Usually really small. How, really small. How many employees uh, do you guys have? We've got 17. 17. I expected more. Did you really? I did. Most... And 17's a, a really good number. I was speaking with somebody not long ago, and they had roughly the same amount, and I wigged out. I was like, that's a lot. And she was like, Ugh, puppy breaks. Yeah. Uh, it was almost uh, a, a weird thing to, to say that you were that large because they were doing so much. And it's like, well, actually, we need to be bigger. Um, but with the amount of work that you guys are doing, I honestly expected a little bit larger staff. Yeah, well, we leverage an awful lot of volunteers, a lot of volunteers, and, and that's the tr- that's the trick to it right there more than anything. Um, so most of our peers in our arena, uh, especially in this faith side, they usually have an employee, two, three, maybe. Maybe three. Maybe. It's usually and, sketchy on that third one, yeah, too. Yeah, and a lot of volunteers, and so we're very blessed. So I don't say that to say it arrogantly, but... Uh, yeah, and then as we've added the new communities, new cities to come on, we've got to put someone in there to to do that. So, um, kind of t- kind of hard. Back to your point a while ago, it's a business. Absolutely, I I love the way that it's focused and the way that you guys are running it. There does seem to be a difference between how you guys are executing what you're doing versus a lot of the groups that I'm working with. Not to say that they're not effective, not right. to say that they're not able to do unbelievably good work, because the the organizations that I I, I talk to. They're great, and they do a lot of stuff, but there does seem to be something a little bit different about Six Stones. I would say it's back to that collaboration. We're all using it, but I, I, and I don't mean this arrogantly, I think we're doing maybe a little better job in a lot of respects building that collaboration across those sectors. What is that difference then? 
what makes that so different for you guys? Because I, I know a lot of organizations that have, you know, they have lists uh, of partner agencies, right. just, oh, hundreds. Right. Uh, but this really does seem to be effective to to a, a, almost a, a crazy degree. Well, let me give you something crazier. This was this came up in our one of our last board meetings. So superintendent of our district came to us and said, put me on your board, which was blew us away. They didn't even want to do that. He said, I want to be on your board. I want to be on your board. And so we did. Here's what he said, though. He said, you know what? He said, uh, you would all know Bell Helicopter. Fortune 500 company builds helicopters all over the world. And so they're in our backyard, one of our largest contributors. Matter of fact, uh, one of their guys is on our board, wanted to be on our board as well. Superintendent said, you know, the real value of Six Stones not, is not necessarily the way you've worked with us to get the resources to the kiddos. A lot of times your greatest benefit to us has been the relationships you've built to a Bell helicopter, to a TXU Energy. He said, we know those people, or we may see them at a chamber luncheon or an event, but we don't know those people. And what you've done is you built relationships between us and with us, and now we are, we're accomplishing more. So because they're actually working together, actually on a project, or is it yes. just there's just a networking where Bob meet Bill? I mean, what? where is that? It starts with the Bob meet Bill, but then it is, hey, let's roll up our sleeves here. Let's talk about what we're doing. Hey, what could we do to – matter of fact, even from the standpoint of a Bell helicopter, the school district and all of them are into the STEM program right now. And so they're looking for partners to do that. Mm. But they get up, they educate kids, they go home. Well, when you can sit down and go, hey, Bob, meet Bill. He's from Bell Helicopter. Let's talk about your STEM program. Do you have to tell organizations sometimes that they're really not being effective with the work that they're doing? No, I think they're, it's like us. Because I bet a lot of these organizations, especially these Fortune 500 organizations, they're doing something oh, with charities sure. and nonprofits already. Right. But it's like, hey, do you want to be effective? And I think that a lot of times – your goal is to help, but you also maybe have to step on a few toes and say, look, your heart's in the right place, but let's let's actually make this work because it's not working right now. Be yeah. honest. It's not working. I will help you do that. Well, let's spin that a little bit different. I, would say, I wouldn't say it's not working. It may not be working at the capacity or the level or what it could work at, right? Optimization. It, right. Because if you go in and, and I specifically have an agenda to deliver X to you this way, okay, maybe a great thing. But just like Bell Helicopter supporting an event to get school supplies to these kiddos, that's great. That's the delivery. Mm -hmm. But then they sit down and go, hey, but now we have a STEM program or we have this program or we're trying to develop this in our district. We're trying to educate kids this way. Can you help us do that? Man, that just opens up. That's, that's really what I'm saying is, is they begin to dream about what they could do, not just, oh, thank you for sponsoring this. And you're able to kind of fulfill that capacity for them. Yeah. They sometimes see that. Just... They, they're like, oh, finally, I got something to do. You guys are it. Yeah. And it goes back to what we talked about before. I mean, our superintendent literally asked. He said, hey, I'm building this STEM program. Do you know anybody over at Lockheed Martin? Yes, I do. I can. Uh, and in fact, well, let's go call Bell Helicopter. Is that what your need is? Let me see if I can help you fulfill that. So I'm serving their need, but it comes back to me in the end. And it's and, and the community and the community grows. Absolutely. I'm speaking with Scott Shepard. He's the president and CEO of Six Stones. Their website, sixstones.org. That is with a numerical six. You're you've got a lot on your plate. I guess maybe the third thing I think would be, and I'm maybe I'm wrong, would be this community garden. So do you want to talk about the community garden or is there another aspect of Six Stones that you guys that you wanted to talk about? Because sure, we've talked sure, about sure. CPR, we talked about Operation Back to School. Right. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Let's talk about a new hope center. 
right? Because I do want to. We we're not going to overlook the garden completely. Okay. We, will, we will get to it. Good. But another big thing you guys are doing is the New Hope Center, yeah. and that's kind of emergency relief. I I, yes. I think is maybe a good way to describe it. Yeah. What do you guys have going there? Yeah, no, that's it's straight up. It's where we started. It's kind of the hedgehog, if you you know use your good to great terminology there. I mean, it's our day in day out, and that's. There's a lot of those. Or there's a lot of start on a consistent basis out of churches and groups all the time. Because right now, as we talked about earlier, food insecurity is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Tarrant County, I think it's 25%. Dallas County, uh, sorry, I don't know what that number is right now. But, uh, yeah, that's a day-in, day-out hedgehog for us. And so it's one thing we do. That for us, I'm going to go ahead and jump to the garden because you ask about that. Fair enough. Because I had a lot of people come to me and said, well, y- y'all have got some vacant land because we're actually at a, an old grocery store that was owned by our founding organization at the time that, that started helped to start. So you got this vacant land. What are you going to do with it? You got to put a garden out there and get fresh produce instead of hand out ramen noodle to, you know, underprivileged families. I'm like, that's great. I majored in architecture. I've had a two before. I got you. Grow it, I'll kill it. I mean, I have a black thumb. And so the funny thing was, it was a city councilman in Bedford, Texas, came to us and said, hey, I'm driving to Coppell, and I'm going to garden with my grandkids. We have a dream. We'd love to have a community garden in our city uh, because, number one, it builds community. Number two, my grandkids could come here. It was a little selfish, but I got it. got grandkids, too. (laughs) But he said the other is, is we could grow produce that we can put back into what you're doing to help families. And we said, well, that sounds great. So seven years later, we have a community garden. Uh, We're actually converting that into an urban farm. If you've gone down and looked at uh, Paul Quinn College and some of these, they're turning it into a social enterprise Hmm. because there's a revenue stream there that can be generated because everybody wants farm to table and farm to market. Yeah. And so, but it was a great way to collaborate with the city. They put some money in. I used uh, the church's property. I used volunteers. I used uh, a lot of different corporate sponsors. Built this killer garden and pavilion. And so now we also work with Terranary Master Gardeners, and we do a huge plant sale event for them. And you just leverage it. You just let community happen. Perfect, a perfect encapsulation of everything that we've been talking about. You listen to and listened for the need. Right. Use your resources, put it together. Now it's just, it's growing. It's growing. So I saw on the website that you guys give about, what, half of your... Half the produce goes back. Half the produce goes Mm -hmm. back. And then you said that you were going to kind of turn this into a little bit of a moneymaker. Are you actually partnering with restaurants or anything like that? Yes, we have a few there in Bedford, and we're converting the garden right now. That's kind of our big project this year is to to get a little bit of a small test last summer. Um, and then we're trying to convert that on over this year. Is so it physically growing, or are you just going to be doing different stuff within your space? No, we're actually having to kind of reconfigure. Um, community garden is plots with volunteers that water and harvest, right? Yeah. Well, uh, an urban farm, you're going to use some volunteers, but you're going to have to be very uh, focused on the watering. I mean, to be honest with you, about July 20th, community gardens aren't very fun. Right. Not in Texas. Sure. So we're, we're converting it, uh, the bed, uh, kind of the efficiencies, watering timers, uh, those like type of Like automatic things. watering yeah. and stuff. Well, we still have to have a ton of volunteers to do that. We use high school students. We've got a leadership class. We've got a business class that comes over. We've got an underprivileged uh, kind of a handicap class that comes over. So you still have to use it, but you can turn that because it's it's cool now, right? Let's go to HG Supply or someplace like that and eat yeah. cool, right? Yeah, Cold absolutely. No, absolutely. Right. It's slick. How many people are, are, are helping to work with that? We uh, we had 77 plots. And so we've got a team of about uh, 13, 14 different volunteers and individuals that are helping us kind of pull that together. We've got uh, Master Gar- Terranary Master Gardener Association, City of Bedford and their beautification. 
I've got a master gardener and uh, also the uh, uh, lady that owns three uh, uh, community farms and community gardens in town, um, farmers markets. I'm looking lost for words there. But uh, she owns three. So she's trying to help us on the business side. City's trying to help us on the ag side. Yeah. Paul Quinn College been working with those guys because they've got it down, by the way. If you've never seen that, you got to go look at it. i got to go check that out. It's awesome. How do you actually go about giving uh, giving out the food? Uh, matter of fact, the half, the way we got it structured now, goes right back into our New Hope Center. So Oh, okay. Because I've got— you got fact, your own distribution method, I've too. got our own distribution method. Okay. Fact. And so— Got coolers, freezers, all those things that we've built out over the course of time. So, so it has your green, your black thumb slowly become more green, or are no, you it's still black. just it's <laughs> still black. <laughs> it's, it's a hopeless situation. We're hoping it turns into gold. Okay. <laughs> well, it sounds like it is because with the way you guys are running things, I mean, it's it, things have been going good, and yeah. this this organization is definitely on on, on the way up. We've been um, so if people want to uh, actually get over to the New Hope Center. And uh, actually get some help from you guys. How can they go about doing that? Yeah, just go to the website. It's probably the e- easiest thing, and check out our hours of operation and come on by. I do want to. Uh, we are wrapping up, but talk about volunteer opportunities. The backbone of this organization yeah. is going to be the volunteers. If people do want to be a part of this organization and help out, what are some of the things that they're going to be doing? And uh, you know, how can they really be a part yeah, of? Yeah, absolutely. Day in, day out. Hedgehog thing, as I mentioned a while ago, come be a part of the New Hope Center. It's a great way to volunteer. Senior adults, community service hours, we take it all. Love for you to do that. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about community-powered revitalization, and we've got our big spring blitz. We do stuff with those cities all year long, but we packaged it into a spring and fall blitz. As a matter of fact, um, our next blitz is uh, in Cleburne. We're going to be in March during kind of that spring break time period, and then in uh, kind of the mid-cities area, we're going to be April 20th and 21st. It's a Friday and a Saturday, and so you can go online right now, find out more information. We love to tell folks, come and see. You can come volunteer, get your paint on you, and get dirty if you want to, but at the same time, uh, a city, a municipality, um, uh, church group, some organization says, man, I'd like to see what this looks like. We typically do a thing called backstage, and so we love for folks to come out. Uh, You can contact our office and say, hey, I heard about backstage, and I want to come and see, and uh, We'll introduce you to the the homeowners getting the help. You can interface with volunteers. Uh, typically, we can interface you with a city em, uh, employee or an elected official or a corporate person. Or We love for folks to come kick the tires. Is this just learning about what's going on to really, like you're saying, yeah. it's backstage, pulling that curtain back and allowing people to see not just somebody swinging a hammer, yep. but what's going behind each swing and, and that nail that's getting hit? Absolutely. We love to. We love to because... I would, I'd love to see this happen all across America, and I guarantee you every city manager in America would love to see this too. So, hey, come and see. If we can help or be a part, we'd love to do that. For an event uh, like the one you're having on April 20th and 21st, right. how many people are do you guys expect to come out there and actually be a part of it? Uh, it's probably uh, 1,500, 1,600 folks over the two days. We'll wow. work on somewhere between 40 to 50 houses in that time frame, depending on what the cities. They're all doing their uh, kind of inventory and scope of works, but we'll be in probably seven cities. 40 to 50 houses, 1,600 volunteers. It's a zoo. It's such a large footprint. What are you going to be doing on a day like that? Are you just going to try and make the rounds? Are you going to stick with the project? How do you work on a day like that? Absolutely. Well, I make a lot of rounds. We spend an awful lot of time talking to a lot of people about how to make it happen. That's really kind of my my role at this point in time is really cast vision and connect people to the, the, the capacity of it. So you're working the walkie-talkies and, uh, and, and yeah, moving yeah. around and just kind of watching it all happen. Does it feel? What does it feel like when you complete uh, that kind of work? That's a lot 
of orchestration. It's a lot of work going into it. I mean, I'm sure you guys have been planning this for months, if not right. the last year, absolutely, uh, to try and make it make it all happen. As a leader of an organization like this, watching it all happen and seeing this organization grow, how does that feel? It's phenomenal. I mean, number one, you're going to bless 40 to 50 homeowners that probably had no way of fixing this the problem, and they felt hopeless. And so that's incredibly rewarding right there. The stories that we get, the thank you cards. Uh, we've got tons of videos on our website. You can go to our YouTube channel. I mean, just break your heart. But I got to tell you, it's really the 1,500 people that showed up to do this. That's where we spend most of our time. Because if I can cast a vision for them of what they could do in their community and give them that warm, fuzzy feeling when they went home at night, a little sore maybe, right, you know, but they've seen their community in a new light. They've seen what they can do in their community in a new light. And then if they wake up the next day, which we're now told with data, and say, what's next? What else? Or, wow, I didn't know. Let me have a part. That's power. So that goes back to our original conversation where it's about building community and building community the way we want it. So it's really not the nonprofit work as much as it's people work. The organization is Six Stones. Their website, sixstones.org. That is with the number six. I've been speaking with Scott Shepard. He is their president and CEO. One last time, a big community-powered revitalization project happening April 20th and 21st. You can find details on that on the website, sixstones.org. Scott, I have learned a lot today. It's been great speaking with you. I I wish you the best of luck with everything coming up, and I hope you return. I would love to, and thank you for the work you're doing, because as you said earlier, there's a lot of great organizations doing a lot of great work out here. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.